Thank you for tuning in to the Pivot Queen podcast. Remember to like, share, and comment and follow on all social media platforms at the Pivot Queen pod. For bookings or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email thepivotqueen at gmail.com. And remember, when life gives you lemons, learn to pivot queen. Hey, queens. It's your girl, Paige, a.k.a. the Pivot Queen. I hope everyone is doing well today. And I hope you get a better understanding as to why I named the title. They don't call us warriors for nothing. I really wanted to say they don't call us warriors for nothing, bitch. But anyways, I digress. So, um, as you know, or as I shared with y'all, I am living with stage four breast cancer. Um, I recently, well, I recently, May made my five, I made it to my five-year survival marker. And for all my cancer warriors, uh, the marker is everything and sorry you're gonna hear my dogs playing with each other or the gnawing and that's patchouli but anyways um listen a lot of people don't make it to the five-year marker you know and and when i say i'm living with breast cancer that means it's metastatic and if you don't know what metastatic is it means that it has spread from place of origin okay so I am living with breast cancer and this episode, I haven't, it might be a two-parter or I might just do the remaining month of October for my breast cancer awareness, but I don't want to like become repetitive or redundant. So but this episode is about my journey, my breast cancer journey, and how it affects women, particularly black women, more than any other ethnic group, right? And honestly, the statistics is they're alarming actually. So, um, I got my information from cancer.org, which is the American cancer society website. And, um, the title of this particular uh, article was published on February 14, 2022. And it's entitled more black women die from breast cancer than any other cancer. So, with that being said, we gonna get this part started. Gonna get it part. Uh, uh, uh. Are y'all ready? All right. All right. So I was diagnosed May of 2018 at the age of 37 years old. And um, cancer affects everybody. I feel, this is my personal opinion, 
that it affects every family. Um, maybe not in the immediate family, maybe, you know, cousins or your aunt or um, someone you may know maybe going through it or just diagnosed. Listen, going through breast cancer treatments and like my life moving forward after being diagnosed is vastly different, vastly different. So I shared with y'all before that, um, you know, I deal with the uh, depression and anxiety, but before my cancer diagnosis, I didn't know that, right? I just felt broken. I was a hot mess and I was a frequent rider on the hot mess express when I abused alcohol. <laughs> and looking back, like, oh my God, like that is, I'm, you know, at first it was embarrassing, but it led me to this point. And I know it's kind of tricky when people say, you know, like everything I went through, it led me to this point, but it's true. You know, like I do feel as though if I wasn't diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer, I would not have sought out consistent therapy. I wouldn't have made this 180 in my life. And it is fantastic. You know, it's like just looking back, I think, oh my gosh, you're just not the same person. I've done mirror work. People call it, let me say it's mirror works. And we're going to get into that because there's this book that I um, used and it was fantastic. It helped you like really look at yourself in the mirror and like say certain things um, on certain days. So it's just, it's really good. But I will uh, have an episode of like things that like books that help change my life. So like, it'll be, I don't know, it'll be an episode that has all the books that helped and uh, podcasts that I listened to, um, just everything that has helped me mentally, emotionally, physically, and most importantly, spiritually. So anywho, so I was diagnosed at 37 and who child, let me tell you, I had just not just, but my last relationship before my diagnosis was a toxic AF. But when you're in it, you don't know that it's toxic, right? You know, like some shit is like messed up, but looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, like you do attract who you are, right? At first I didn't see it, you know, and like looking back now in retrospect, I'm like, OMG, you know, it's like when you have these life epiphanies or moments, whatever you call them, Oprah calls them, aha, Oprah, I'm like, oh, God, God, like Cole from Martin, right? Like, oh my God. Anyways, but like looking back, I was broken. I attracted broken people. And, um, I grew up with a single mom. I have two other siblings and my dad was a 
no show like our entire lives pretty much so um so abandonment issues i dealt with but listen i wouldn't have cleaned up all that mess if i wasn't diagnosed with cancer so people are like well how did you know how did you know um i went to the doctor every year for your my women's yearly and nobody like felt anything and then all of a sudden it was like huh this is different so uh you know and my doctor discovered it at my yearly appointment so ladies stay on point with your preventative care because it matters even though i did i feel like I could have done something different and then maybe I wasn't supposed to do anything different. But anywho, stay on top of your preventative care. You know, like not only do your teeth need cleaning every six months, you need to go see the doctor for blood work and labs and stuff at least once a year. Because if not, you're going to be, I hate to say it, but for me, I'm living with metastatic breast cancer. So what does that mean? I go to the doctor every month right blood work an injection and well i'll just say like treatment so blood work and treatment every month i'm on medication right so that's just monthly medical maintenance that's just what i do um let's talk about the scans right so i just had uh three mris of my back and I've always had back issues, but it was just confirmed that my back issues were completely separate from cancer, which for me, I got some comfort <clears throat> because I remember playing volleyball tissue. I had, I hurt my back and I just never kind of really recouped since then. So it was nice to know and affirm that two separate things going on. So anywho, <clears throat> um, yeah so you know like that the scans i get scanned um every well depends so typically every six months but if i feel like oh like my back was really hurting boom go get three scans three hours right and laying on your back in a tube hearing a bang, 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 like they even put earmuffs on and then they ask you what kind of music do you want to listen to so I always listen to meditation music so I can just relax, you know, so I kind of like don't even hear the bang, 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 you know, because I'm just like meditating and then you just kind of doze off. <clears throat> anyway, so you have your scans, right? So, um, yeah, so I would just, please, if you don't take anything else from this episode, stay on top of your health it's not about the money how much money you can make because if you don't have your health you can't make the money right you can't make it when you're dead at 20 or excuse me at 30 whatever 40 whatever because you got breast cancer or cancer or something that you put off just get it checked out what i also learned is that <clears throat> 
the facts are super important, right? You can feel a certain way, but don't jump to conclusions until you have the facts, right? And <clears throat> that, excuse me, that is something else I learned through this journey. And the importance of getting a second opinion. Do you hear me? Go get you a second opinion. Because when I first got diagnosed, the first oncologist, I just had a terrible gut feeling. And she only talked about chemo. And she looked at me like, how are you still alive? Um, and basically, she was, in my personal opinion, I felt like she was going to kill me. Like, if I would have stayed with her protocol, I would not be here today talking to y'all. And so, like, listen to your gut because um, I, something didn't sit right with me, right? So I went and got a second opinion, and I still have my current oncologist now after five years. And um, she told me that what this other doctor was trying to do was basically like, you know, she took in my, my current doctor took in my age in consideration. She also um, explained to me that, yes, I'm young, but chemo is the last option for my particular cancer journey. <clears throat> and she said, it's like seeing ants in front of you and you have a shotgun and you're trying to kill them, right? It's like literally overkill. And so she explained that to me and ugh, I was like, oh my God, I love her. But number one, she looks like me. She, and I say look like me, she's a woman of color. She's not a black woman, but she's a woman of color. And um, I love her. I love her. She really nursed me back to health. She restored my confidence because remember, guys, when I was going through all this, I was still broken. I hadn't gone to therapy at that point. I was only at my second opinion. So with that being said, like get a second opinion. I don't care how big or small the little pain is or the little mole or whatever it is. I'm telling you, not only will you just feel better, but you'll have the facts and you can make a better informed decision. Like if it's something that is unsavory, you know? So second opinions are important and do your research on the doctor, do your research on the team, um, read reviews, like look up their qualifications because you have to realize Yes, they are a doctor and it's their job, but you have to be your own patient advocate, you know, and, and what I discovered with the medical industry, especially like nurses and stuff, boy, there's a lot of unhappy nurses, you know, and when you are diagnosed with stage four cancer, the last thing you want is an asshole nurse, you know that is just like unhappy with their job and then treats you like shit, you know? Cause like, we don't already feel like shit. Like we're going to die immediately. You know what I mean? Like lighten up, please go do what makes you happy. Right. Cause clearly being an oncology nurse is not it. So do your research, get a second opinion. 
And then once that happens, we usually start. So before I um, saw my current doctor for a second opinion, I did go through radiation with the previous doctor because that was going to be the starting point for me and a doctor, right? So I did 10 rounds of radiation to my sternum, to my back, um, because remember, oh, and to the area of origin, because that's, remember I told you my back was hurting, but cancer cells are opportunist, right? So they see a weak little area in your body and they're like, oh, let's gravitate to that, you know? So that's what they did. And hence the radiation, 10 rounds on my spine and my sternum and the area of origin. So 10 rounds of radiation. Now that alone should just encourage you to stick with your <laughs> preventative care, right? 10 rounds of radiation. And let's talk about the side effects, right? Because when I got diagnosed, I always knew like, I was like, I'm going to fucking kill this fucking cancer, you know? Um, but that, that I didn't always have that feeling immediately. Right. So 10 rounds of radiation, but let me back it up a little bit. So after I got my second opinion, um, let me back it up one more time. So when I was at my wellness exam and when my doctor discovered the lump, I, she called a breast surgeon and got me in that afternoon. So I went that afternoon, went to go see the breast surgeon and there, that's where I got a mammogram. So the mammogram confirmed the cancer. And then at that time I got a biopsy and, um, in a consult, it was an initial consult with the breast surgeon. So already I was like, okay, now I'm already out of my comfort zone and seeing a breast surgeon. Okay. Like, and then the, the only thing that you really know to do, but you don't want to do, but you do it is Google it. Oh, I just knew after looking up Dr. Google, there was no chance, you know, but I'm not going to say don't do that. Do it if you want to. It's like putting your hand on the burner. It's hot. You know, you do it once, you may accidentally do it again, but you know not to do it consistently. So anyway, so my breast surgeon confirmed everything, did the lumpectomy. So it came back. Uh, breast cancer, I had invasive ductal carcinoma. And during the staging process, it was determined that I had stage four. I did the genetic testing and I didn't, it came back negative. Um, and what else? I mean, my life just changed. And I was grateful my sister came with me to my appointments in the beginning because she would take notes or, you know, ask questions. But it, it was nice because it was a lot of information at one time and you're just like holy shit like the stuff that i was feeling oh my god it was cancer like it's just like oh you don't want to get sick you don't want to touch that you're like people don't look 
and it is just the biggest mental roller coaster that an individual can go through. So now we have staged it. We know what kind of cancer it is and we know it's stage four. So now from that point on, my breast surgeon has um, all the information she needs and she makes her recommendations on an oncologist, right? So she gave me three options. And so the first option I went, that was the, the doctor, the oncologist that I knew if I stayed with her long-term, I was not going to be here today. Okay. So she recommended the 10 rounds of radiation. But every time I was going to her, like the, the office, like you walk in, you check in, it was like a nursing home. And it just gave me the overwhelming sense of like death and the service was awful. The people were just so unhappy. The doctor was just terrible. And so I went back to my breast surgeon and I told her, you know, and of course, I mean, I'm crying, bawling, I'm a mess, but I told her and shout out to her because she was like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. Like, uh-uh, finish your radiation and we're going to find another doctor. And that's what I did. And she really encouraged me during radiation because like, number one, radiation, I'm freaked out. My breast surgeon encouraged me. And like when she got the results of all like of the lumpectomy, you know, she puts it up on the screen or whatever. And she, that's when she, you know, gave me the recommendations for an oncologist because I needed to start with the radiation. And she said something that has never left me. And from that moment on, I knew I, was, I, I needed to fight. And she said, oh, oh, it's just spread to your bones. So we can zap those motherfuckers. Or she said, like, we can zap the shit out of it you know, cause it's in your bones. And that was like, <sighs> that was my first moment where I can exhale. Right. Cause I was like, okay, well, she, she said it like that was nothing. So I went through radiation treatment. Like it was nothing every day. I go to work, work my eight hours at the law firm. Um, after work, go get radiation. But on my eighth treatment, I started to feel sick. I started to feel sick and um, I was in the lobby checking in. I was really dehydrated and I didn't, I was tired. I was really tired, but I was like almost feeling good, but like really tired. And you know, when, if you don't know, when you go through radiation, they mark the area of uh, you, you have to go through a whole process. So you have to get like molded and then they mark the area where the radiation beams need to go. And it's a long, arduous process. Like it's just, it's, it's a lot. <clears throat> so anyway, so on appointment eight of radiation, I almost passed out in the lobby after checking in. I was so sick. I was nauseous. I was dehydrated. 
and I was not well, but I had in my brain that let's get to number 10. Come on. We're on eight out of 10. Maybe that's an athlete in me, but I was like, come on, come on, girl. Because I knew once I got to 10, that's it. We're done with radiation. I've had all the radiation I could possibly have. Right. But I get sick on week eight and um, they halt treatment. I had to get fluids and all that. But what changed my mind? Well, I should say what the nail in the coffin, no pun intended, for me getting a second opinion was when I almost passed out at the radiation place in the cancer center and my oncologist was nowhere to be found. Um, didn't even reach back out. Nothing. Nothing. So I was like, oh, no, no. I'm like, I'm trying to live in in a pool of like Debbie Downers. You know, so I was like, nope, that's not going to work for me. I'm too much of a positive person to like accept this. I'm not going to accept it. And so that was the deciding factor. So, I, you know, um, I finished my radiation and then that's when I had the appointment with the breast surgeon. And then I told her about what happened. She told me to get second opinion and blah, blah, blah. Anyways. So, so if you want a reaction to radiation on your skin that's itchy and oozy and then like scars then don't don't take care of your body don't do your preventative stuff like you know i'm trying to help you so you don't pivot that way because that's not a good pivot because once you're in you're in you know it's not like go through treatment oh you're better you're always going to have doctor appointments you're always going to feel different um, for me, like I'm out of breath often and for an athlete, that's kind of hard. It's hard. It's, it's almost as hard as like, and I'm speaking for myself. I'm a volleyball player. I grew up playing volleyball. I'm tall. I'm six feet tall. And it's like, when they tell you you can't play anymore or you're retired from your sports that's all you know like and so it's hard when you play and you're like really out of breath and you need to go sit down because i still play but i don't play as much as i used to because i'm out of breath right so remember i'm sharing my story so y'all can pivot less you know um, but get your health checked out checked out all right, because it's important. You feel weird or something, just go get the facts, then make an informed decision. Because jumping to conclusions, that shit is for the birds. Okay. Uh, anyway, sorry. Being a little goofy, being a little goofy. But um, so, yeah, so do that. Stay on top of your health. It's important. All right. So, and I will say this with radiation, I had 10 rounds of radiation. And if you see me on the video or pictures and there's a tattoo, a few tattoos on my chest, it's because of the radiation. I had a radiation reaction. It was itchy, oozy, and it scarred like a piece of burnt toast in the middle of my chest. And so people were looking anyway, and I decided let's give them something to look at. How about that? Right? So. This is definitely going to be a probably a three-parter episode because, you know, I really want to make sure y'all understand 
this cancer journey. And so if you can avoid it at all costs, please avoid it at all costs. Um, so anyway, so after radiation, I got the scar of the burnt toast, um, during radiation, what else did I do? So after 10 rounds of radiation, then you have to wait. Like, I can't really remember too much. Um, after that, I had to have my mastectomy. So, or I can't remember if I had it first or last. I don't know. Anyways, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but I've had mastectomy. I had a double mastectomy. I didn't have them at the same time. Um, I did the one that I needed to do. And the only doctor that doesn't look like me is my plastic surgeon. Um, I was okay having a male plastic surgeon because guys are very visual. And I knew he was going to make me look as good as he possibly can. And he did. And, and ladies, he looked good as he possibly can. I just had the biggest crush on my plastic surgeon. The biggest crush. But he was so professional and just so nice. And his staff was just fantastic and just understanding. And I really could like take pictures into him and say, hey, this is what I want, blah, blah, blah. But you're not just going to go in and get your mastectomy and go out. So for me, they had to go in, they had to like put a spacer in. So that's even something else that you don't even know. I didn't even know because what I had to go through, I was like, oh my God, a spacer. And it literally felt like a baseball in my chest that they used to stretch the skin that you have to, I think I had it in for like six to eight weeks. And then you go through another surgery to take it out and put the implant in. So it's a lot guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. But I just want you to know you got this. And if you are just diagnosed or you know someone, send them the episode, give them my email pivotqueen at gmail.com reach out because one thing i noticed was that the waiting room didn't look like me the cancer uh, groups that i tried to interact didn't look like me it was a whole bunch of old white people and i'm sorry white people but y'all don't age well y'all don't age well and then when you're sick with cancer and you're like i don't know it's just not it's scary sometimes and it's not uplifting so a lot of the cancer support groups didn't look like me um the infusion rooms didn't look like me so it was a lot and i just remember thinking man i wish i would have known that or which one know this so if you want a spacer in your boob you know it literally feels like a baseball you know like ignore symptoms that's on you. But I really hope you don't do that. You know, I hope you really take the time to yourself because you have to remember I had a kid at 16. Um, that relationship with his dad was very traumatic. And even, you know, the relationship with my mother was, it's very uh, different. I'll just say it's very different, which is okay. That's fine. Like, that's a that's another episode we're gonna get into but anywho the beginning stages of cancer it is a lot you're gonna have a good solid 10 appointments 
in the first month. So it's expensive. It's taxing on your mental, your physical, and your emotional state. And guess what? People around you are not going to understand it. And when someone finds out you have cancer or you dealt with cancer, then they look at you like you're sick. Then you have to deal with that. So ladies and men, if you're listening, just get checked out. Just always know the facts, especially medically. You want to know the facts, okay? And speaking of facts, let's get into some about black women and breast cancer. And again, I found this information on the American Cancer Society webpage. All right. So it says the black population is a third largest racial ethnic group in the United States after white and Hispanic people. It includes African-Americans whose ancestors were born or excuse me, who were brought to the U.S. involuntarily as slaves, Caribbean-Americans and recent immigrants of African descent. As a whole, Black people are more likely to die from cancers and to live the shortest amount of time after a cancer diagnosis than any other racial ethnic group. Did y'all hear that? I'm going to repeat this. Black people are more likely to die from most cancers and to live the shortest amount of time after a cancer diagnosis than any other racial group. Don't avoid it. You know, maybe you, maybe you're the person that needs to go with somebody. Maybe you're the one that needs to hold somebody else's hand and that's okay. Do it. Do it. All right. This was a shocker too. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. Cancer is the second leading cause of death in both in both black and white people after heart disease. The overall black white cancer disparity disparity is slowly narrowing, mostly due to a steeper reduction in cigarette smoking by black people than by white people in the 70s and the 80s. So look, your habits are your habits. Just know like don't be shocked when they say your habit can lead to something like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It is a lot, but you can, if you're diagnosed, you can get through it. You have to have a good support group and you'll learn real quick that people start to scatter like roaches and that's okay. You find you a new tribe. You know, you find a new tribe. But it says that black people are more likely to be diagnosed with advanced stage disease, which is usually more costly and different to treat. Didn't I say that? I just said that. More likely to experience delays in treatment. Less likely to receive recommended, recommended treatment. Only a small fraction of the racial differences in cancer deaths can be attributed to genetic differences. Didn't I say that earlier? Took the genetic test. It's negative. It was basically not. It wasn't helpful. And I don't know how negative it could be if my big mama passed away from cancer, you know, and I later found out 
in 2019, which was the last time I talked to my dad, that he had gone through prostate cancer. So the genetic testing is like trash, in my opinion. For me, it did not work. All right. All right. So black women are twice as likely to die from uterine cancer as white women and 41% more likely to die from breast cancer, despite similar or lower incident rates. Come on, women. Come on, queens. Come on, queen. I'm going to read that one again. Black women are twice as likely to die from uterine cancer as white women and 41% more likely to die from breast cancer despite similar or lower incident rates. Come on, y'all. We, you know, as a black woman, we, we are out here doing the damn thing. Nobody protects us, but we got to start loving and protecting ourselves. And that starts with your health. Get checked out. You have insurance. Use your insurance. You're paying for it every month. Stay on top of your health. I'm going to read this last section with you. Because I feel like it's very, very important. The wide disparity in breast cancer death rates between black and white women likely reflects fewer cancers being diagnosed at a localized early stage. 57% black women compared to 67% in white women, as well as less access to high quality treatment. Cancers diagnosed at a later, more advanced stage are typically more complicated to treat. Black women have a lower five-year survival rate overall and for every stage of diagnosis. About 82% of Black women live at least five years after their initial breast cancer diagnosis compared to 92% of white women. So I'm in that category. Right. I'm in that category. And at the beginning of the episode, I talked about the survival rate. I made my five year survival rate in May of this year, 2023. I made it, bitches. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's scary. That's scary. Eighty two percent of black women live at least five years after the initial diagnosis compared to ninety two percent of white women. That is insane. That's crazy. So you got to get out there. There are resources out there. You can always start here with the cancer with the American Cancer Society with Susan G. Coleman. You can Google breast cancer resources in your area. And honestly, I had to reach out to some of those um, resources. And it, it, having going through this cancer journey made me realize there are still good people out there with a great sense of community. So like I said, if you know someone, it's hard being sleepy all the time and having no energy you know, um, on the next episode, which will be part two, I'll go through my surgeries with you and let you know, like how my life has changed 
um, because medically it has changed drastically, drastically. And when I got diagnosed in 2018, I was like, you know, and I told y'all in the last episode that I was like going to go to therapy and like work on myself for my husband. And I said, I'm going to remain celibate. Well, it is 2023. And your girl has been celibate since, since, I'm going to say 2019. (laughs) It's been a while, but. A lot of my breast cancer warriors know it's actually easy because our uh, libido goes down, right? So I hope this episode kind of opens your eyes. Um, And I thank you for letting me share my story. And if you know somebody with breast cancer, this is October's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Wear pink, do something for them, Um, ask them how they're doing. And Maybe they just want you to just listen to how they feel without a response. Just sometimes just active listening is all we want. You know, like we don't want the one-uppers. Oh, you feel that way? Oh, I remember when I, like, no, we're not going to do that. You know, like just reach out. Maybe they want to hug, you know, maybe they want to go for a long walk. It's their month. You know, treat them super special because you never know uh, when that that journey turns. So just love them, respect them and respect what they're going through. So, ladies, I love you. Thank you for listening. Please send this to a breast cancer warrior and let them know. They don't call us warriors for nothing. And this is just part one of a three-parter breast cancer month podcast episode, blah, 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 whatever. Anyways, I love you. I hope you have a great week. And as usual, I'm going to leave you with the pivotal corner. I hope it helps you. It's really great. Thank you. And... Don't forget, when life gives you lemons, like breast cancer, learn to pivot, queen. Thank you for listening to the Pivot Queen podcast. The Pivot Queen really appreciates all your support. The Pivot Queen is a firm believer We're better together. And when life gives you lemons, learn to pivot, queen. Please follow on TikTok at the pivot queen and Instagram at the underscore pivot underscore queen. For comments or bookings, email the pivot queen at gmail.com. All right, queens. Just one more thing. You know how we do it. All right. The card I pulled this week. Be in the body. It was actually the first card on the top of the deck. All right, so listen up. Inhale and exhale, ladies. (sighs) Listen to this. Abiding as the body draws you into the present moment, reduces stress, increases mindfulness, and lowers the sense of self 
so you can take life less personally. See what it's like to sustain awareness of your body for at least a few minutes in a row. Pay attention, paying attention to your breathing or to the feelings in your hands while doing the dishes or to the sensations in your feet and legs as you walk the dog. While doing everyday activities, routinely bring attention back to your body while doing tasks, watching TV, driving, typing, etc. As you speak, try to be aware of your chest, stomach, hips, arms, and legs, hands, and feet. How does this change your communicating, especially about things that matter to you? For a time, even just one minute, find a comfortable seat, let worries and plans fall away, and simply rest. Be aware breathing and let everything else go. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, no one to be, just sitting, abiding, as a whole body breathing. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, there's always a doorway to a deeper sense of presence and peace while being in the body. Ooh, that's a good one. So I hope you enjoyed the pivotal moment and the pivotal corner, but I also wanted to let you know that it's, it was through breast cancer that I discovered my love for yoga and mindfulness. It has changed my life beyond measure and I'm forever grateful. So if you are a breast cancer warrior, reach out to me. I offer um, yoga sessions for my breast cancer warriors. And I would love to have a yoga session with you, but you must be cleared by your doctor. And we know how that goes. But for the month of October, I love to um, offer my services in yoga to my breast cancer patients. Um, in addition to teaching kids, teens, and student athletes, yoga and mindfulness. So shoot me an email. Let me know. We can do it on video. If you're in Dallas, hit me up. We can meet up at a park. Um, just like, follow, share on all social media platforms. Check me out on TikTok. Check me out on Instagram. Now check us out on Facebook. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, and thank you. And I love you. And always remember, when life gives you lemons, learn to pivot, queen. Thank you for tuning in to the Pivot Queen podcast. Remember to like, share, and comment, and follow on all social media platforms at the Pivot Queen pod. For bookings, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email thepivotqueen at gmail.com. And remember, when life gives you lemons, learn to pivot, queen.